Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. And he knows that they have been following these wrong things. And he walks up to them and says, and this isn't actually going to be on the screen, so don't put this one up yet. This is, this is like right in the context. It says, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For I walked around and looked carefully at all your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And to say you were ignorant of something back then, it wasn't a cut down. He's not trying to belittle them. He's saying you're unaware of, okay? So you're unaware of the very thing you worship. You're worshiping somebody, you don't even know who they are. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So here's where we're going to throw the scripture up on the screen for the next part. So after, so it, it's a genius thing because Paul could have come in and been like, okay, guys, you're wrong. You're worshiping a false God. You don't even know his name. You, know, you need to turn to Jesus. And he doesn't do that. He comes in and compliments them and says, I see you're trying to do the right thing. Let me tell you about this unknown God you don't know about. And he uses that opportunity, that object lesson, if you will, to share about Jesus with them. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations and they, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. He's talking like that Tetris thing, right? He marked out everything that was going to happen as those pieces fall. He knew what was going to happen in advance. He said, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and we move and we have our being. Part of what's screwed up about the world is our horizontal relationships with other people. Like this says, if we know God, in him we live and move and have our being. Like Everything about us should be transformed by the fact that we know God. But prior to that, our horizontal relationships, not our vertical one with God, but our horizontal relationships, they're kind of messed up. Like, I want to just take a quick poll, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this too. So how many of you guys are no longer best friends with somebody you were best friends with five years ago? That's not your best friend anymore. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you put your hands back down. All right, let's see if we get any other takers here. How many of you guys are not best friends with the person you would have considered your best friend a year ago? All right, you can put your hands back down. And we could go through and ask about our home situations and everything and those relationships that we're supposed to be till death do us part and all that stuff. But we can't even keep our best friends by a show of hands for almost a year. And we could probably figure out, some of you guys probably stopped being really close friends with somebody like this week if we kept narrowing it down. Our horizontal relationships are messed up because we got people involved, ourself and the other person. And so we disagree. Sometimes we don't see eye to eye. Sometimes we don't give the other person enough mercy and grace. Sometimes they don't give that to us. Sometimes we're mean and spiteful. Sometimes they're backstabbing friends. 
Sometimes they can't keep a secret. Sometimes we can't keep a secret. I mean, that was juicy information I had to tell somebody. Then it gets back to them. And like, we have all these reasons why that's messed up. But our relationship with God is messed up too. Because of a thing called sin that we're going to really talk about a lot tomorrow, our relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. It's messed up as well. And we've got to work on that vertical before we ever get to the horizontal relationship. All the tapestry of our lives. Now, here's the thing. It's kind of like, have, have you guys ever seen, I know this is kind of an old movie at this point. Has anybody ever seen The Truman Show? Raise your hand if you've seen The Truman Show. Okay. Has anybody ever seen The Matrix? All right, raise your hand. Okay. There's a few things like that. So there's these, you can put your hands down. There's these few movies where somebody, like everything's either a computer, or Free Guy. Anybody seen Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds? Okay, that, that's another one like that. All right where everything is a certain way, but the one person doesn't see it right away. In the Truman Show, he's in a reality TV show and he doesn't know it. In the Matrix, he's in a computer program, he doesn't know it. In Free Guy, he's not even a real person. He's like, a, he is part of the computer program. He's a bot and he doesn't even know it. And they're slowly figuring this out and they can't totally get it right away. And then they start to realize, focus with me. Remember, kill those wasps. <laughs> Snack! <laughs> um, they start, they start to figure out that everything is connected in some way. And once they realize that, everything changes for them. Every single person here probably feels like, if this was a reality show, that you're the main star. Everybody else is a guest star at best. This guy up front that you've never met before this week, probably, he's just a random person who's going to be in a couple episodes, and then you don't see him again. The person in your dorm that you never met before, they, they just got this short guest starring appearance just for a little while, and then you don't see them anymore. And it's kind of like, that's kind of how we think. And that's one of the reasons why our relationships and our friendships don't last is because we make it all about us and not about how we're connected. And that common thread that runs through everything, we don't notice that common thread that runs through everything. And so we make it about us and we kind of mess it up. Everything that God has done throughout history is connected to it. And I'm not really a main character in my story. I'm like this little bitty side character in a great overarching tapestry of our lives. I want, I want to share something with you that's kind of personal, and then I'll show you some uh, pictures and stuff from this. Um, my wife and I adopted a baby boy two years, almost two years ago now, okay? And we felt that God wanted us to adopt the moment, almost the moment we got married, we had been talking about it. It's 20 years ago, okay? So we decided we wanted to adopt a child. About three years into our marriage, two and a half, three years, we also wanted to have our own children. We had not had a kid yet. And we wanted to have a kid. And I started to think, guys, can you focus? Thank you. Thanks. I started to think maybe something was wrong with me or something was wrong with her. Like maybe we needed to go to the doctor, figure out maybe one of us can't have kids. I didn't know. And so we start thinking more. Now we ended up having two kids of our own, so that wasn't the case. But we started looking into adopting from Russia. At the time, like a lot of people adopt from China now. Um, but at the time, Russia was like very open to U.S. adoptions. We were hearing about kids who were dying in their cribs in Russian orphanages because they didn't have enough people to hold the babies. Like when you talk about how we're connected to each other, there's a thing called failure to thrive that if a baby human is not held, they can either um, get all this dissociative disorders where they almost become almost like a sociopath later with no human connection, 
or they could literally die of failure to thrive because they don't have any human connection. Completely unlike a giraffe that's like born and walking around within minutes, we were made to be raised by parents. I mean, it's, no kid is like, ah, just bored, you know, like walking around. Other animals, yes, not, not humans. And so I kept hearing about all these babies dying in Russian orphanages, and we, we really felt called to adopt. We got the paperwork. We started the whole process to adopt a child from Russia and, and got the whole ball rolling and everything. And then we got called by the agency, not that a child was going to be placed with us, but that Russia was closed. This was the USSR at the time, but now I guess it was Russia at the time. Russia. Uh, Russia was closing the door to American adoptions. No more Americans can adopt. And I'm looking at this almost tapestry of my life being weaved slowly, and I have no idea what the end picture is going to look like. And my whole question to God was, what? Why did you lay this on a heart if it wasn't going to happen? Why were we praying for kids in Russian orphanages every day if we were never supposed to adopt a child from there? What is this, some kind of a cruel cosmic joke? That was my mindset as a believer, as a pastor already, was like, what is God doing here? I don't get it. And six months later, I still didn't get it. And a year after that, I didn't get it. Then there was a girl, a middle school girl that was in our youth group whose dad was on drugs and whose mom just basically said, I don't want you in the house anymore. And she moved in with us and stayed with us for almost a year. And we painted her room, we got her school clothes, all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the Social Security Administration started asking where to send the check that her parents became interested in her again. Broke my heart, infuriated me at the same time. Because we told them, yes, they have to send it to where her residence is, but if they make it out to us, we'll just cash it and give you the money. And they're like, why would you do that? We we're like, because we love Mary Beth, that's why. Like, we haven't asked for a dime from you the whole time. They fought for her, she ended up moving in with her drug-addicted father. They lived at a house right on the railroad tracks that every time a train would go by, the whole house would shake. It should have been condemned. And he had a mattress on the floor that she was going to sleep on. And we bought her a bed, and we painted her room, and we got her furniture, and she's still in our life. As a matter of fact, when we did end up adopting two years ago, she actually called us and said, I know adoption's expensive. Can I send some money to help with the adoption? That floored me. Like, that me. I'm not even going to talk about it too much because I'll start crying. Because this girl like, had felt like we had touched her life in such a way that, that she wanted to see another kid kind of pulled out of a bad situation. Well, I thought, now that I'm seeing a little more of the tapestry, that's it. That's the answer. That's what God was doing. And I kind of rationalized in my mind, God knew we would never have said yes to bringing in a middle schooler. So he got us to say yes to a Russian baby, and then he's like, okay, since you said yes to that, you already have a room set aside, here's a middle schooler. And he was having us obey in a little bit, so he could, but that wasn't it. And we wouldn't see it yet. We moved to North Carolina thinking, should we start adopting now, start the process again? And then my wife gets pregnant with Luke. Well, we're not going to adopt right when we're having a baby. Two years later, we have Leah, and then life just got so stinking busy. God didn't lay it on our heart again, even though we knew all the time, this is going to happen at some point. A couple years ago, right as the pandemic was about to hit, God laid on our heart, adopt. And this time, everything had changed for us. We didn't want to adopt from a foreign country. 
We wanted to adopt right here in the United States. We wanted our child to know who their birth parents were. We wanted to be able to know the birth parents as well, to be able to share hope with them, to be able to share Jesus with them and to stay in their life and keep them updated about this child. But just somebody who might feel like that they wanted to give the child life, but they didn't feel like they had the skill set to raise them or whatever the situation was. And we were trying this. So over a year, right before the pandemic, a year of filling out paperwork, doing all this stuff, knowing that somebody's about to have a baby and they're reading through our profile and other people's and they don't choose us. The whole time I'm second guessing everything. Like what? Do they think we're too old at this point? Probably. I mean, I have like a senior in high school now. Uh, They're probably thinking they want a younger set of parents or whatever the issue is. We're taking it all personally. And then I get a call from a pastor friend of mine who has a friend whose daughter is 19 and she's pregnant and she wants to give the child life but does not want to raise the child and is trying to find a home. And her only prerequisite is that they have a dog. (laughs) We have a dog? You know, like, I'm like, we have a dog. And they're like, we didn't know. We didn't know what ethnicity she was. We didn't know um, if it was a boy or a girl. We didn't care. I'm like, just any kid, bring them on. We're ready. We got a room set up. We're good to go. And so we FaceTime this girl. Her name's Cassie. And we start asking about her story. And this is where we sat back and we could see enough of the tapestry for it all to make sense. Cassie and her sister were two of the last children adopted from Russia in the United States right before they closed the doors. The mother of my child was a Russian adopted child. And so we started telling our story to her and she was like, this is it, we're supposed to do this. Not even a believer, not even like, she wasn't like God's orchestrating this. She was like, oh, the signs are lining up. You know, she's like, this is, we got to do this. And so we end up adopting. I'm going to show you just a a few pictures here. Um, I think I have pictures, right? Are there pictures of my, okay. So this is the pastor and his wife in the middle that called me. And this is their friend whose daughter was pregnant, who had adopted her daughter from Russia. Her name's Sandy. She's actually, I didn't know this at the time. She was the vice president of Amazon Web Services. So like, like what in the world? Like, I don't even know that. I like your packages you send to my house. Anyway, so like, so we got to meet them. And then the next picture, this is, this is my best friend from third grade on. So like, we're not, I would consider my wife my best friend now. And a lot of my, he's the only guy I still talk to that I went to school with. And my son that we were going to adopt was in Seattle, Washington. So we'd have to go all the way out to Seattle. I know it's already expensive to adopt. How am I going to afford to stay there for two to three weeks in a hotel? Well, my best friend had moved to Seattle and lived there. So we went and stayed with them for three weeks. Didn't have to pay for a hotel at all. And he actually worked right down the street from the hospital that he was born in. So out of all the places he could have lived in America, my best friend, Nathan, He's there. And he wasn't even going to be there long. He now lives in South Carolina. He was just there so I could stay there. I mean, I don't know the other purpose God had for him. But in the tapestry of things, it's like it all lined up. Next picture. I don't remember what's next. This is Cassie. And that's Ezra that I'm holding. That's my wife, Debbie, on the other side. Cassie's in the middle there. Uh, My son Ezra's middle name is Cassian. 
It's spelled just like her name, K-A-S-S-I-E, and then we added an N to it. It's also a Star Wars name, Cassian Andor. Anyway, so, um, but it's spelled differently there. But, so we had two Star Wars names. That's Mount Rainier in Washington behind us. Um, just phenomenal. Quick story about her. When she was in Russia, when they went to pick her up in Russia, this is how bad it was. If you didn't bring an outfit, a change of clothes, the Russian orphanage would strip down the kid and give you them naked. They wouldn't even, they, they'd just save the outfit for somebody else. And she was three. They happened to know that and brought an outfit for her. But they said she doesn't like enclosed spaces. She won't go in elevators or anything like that. Um, we, uh, to punish her for crying too much, we locked her in a closet and forgot she was there for three days. They just matter-of-factly said it, like it was a normal thing to do. And so she still, to this day, wouldn't go in an elevator. When we stepped on the elevator by accident almost, just taking Ezra from the hospital, we're all walking out together. She quickly stepped on there too, right before the doors closed. I was like, oh my gosh, Cassie, you're on an elevator. She's like, I know, I know. And she grabbed my wife's hand and just held on. She went, she's up in this mountain here because she went in one of those gondolas that she had never gone on. It goes up the big wire and everything because she just felt a little safer um, knowing that Ezra was with the people he was supposed to be with. I mean, it's just, just phenomenal stuff. There may be another picture here. Okay, this is uh, just a few months ago. She was flying through um, Charlotte and she had a long layover and she called us and said, hey, I'm stuck in Charlotte for the next eight hours. And I said, we'll be right there. And we picked her up, we went to the mall, we went out to eat and stuff and she got to hang out with Ezra. Ezra sees a picture of her every day. It was one by his changing table and there's another one in his room as well. And he calls her Mama K. And so every day, so he knew exactly who she was when, when he saw her and just ran up and hugged her. It was really cool. Is there another picture? I don't know if there is. No, stop that. Bad AV people. Okay. Wow. I thought my son was cute. Look at that animal. Yeah, that was not planned. All right. How, I just told you how easily I'm distracted. Ah, anyways, okay. All right, they didn't mean to do that, I'm gonna assume. But here's the thing, guys and girls. Like, you're not always gonna be able to tell in the moment how lives are in, intertwined and how the tapestry is being made. You're not gonna get that in the moment. You might not even get, I might not have even found that particular thing out for another 10 years had God not laid it on our heart. But we're talking like... <laughs> Almost a 20-year distance between these two things happening before we could finally start to see the picture. And the picture's not done yet. God is still dropping pieces in to the Tetris puzzle of our life. And he still knows what the next pieces are, even though we don't. And the more I lean into him and trust him, because I've seen where he's already made things line up, the more I can trust him for the rest of the picture in my life. And tomorrow... I think I said yesterday we are going to talk about this, but I was totally mistaken. It's actually tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to talk about this kind of barrier between us and him, where we're trying to make a tapestry without a plan, and he's over here trying to weave us into a tapestry with a picture that he's already seen in advance of the masterpiece that we're supposed to become. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for these guys and girls. Lord, uh, what an awesome group of students. Lord, just to hang out with them through the day, hear them laughing, hear them joking around with each other and everything, and, and knowing that each one of them is somebody that you designed and that you have all kinds of plans for uh, just blows my mind. Lord, I don't know all the individual plans you have for them, but I know that you have collective plans for us too, and somehow our individual plans will weave into that. 
And Lord, we won't always be able to tell in the moment what you're doing. And Lord, we won't be able to tell in the moment so we're hurting how you could possibly bring good out of other people's bad decisions and out of our bad decisions. We know you're not doing those things to us, but God, aware of the bad decisions and how they affect people that humans make, you're still weaving goodness through. And so I pray that as we get further into this week and talk a little bit more about your plan for us, God, that we would be open to that. Lord, um, keep us safe as we do all the stuff we're going to do tonight on all the fun activities and everything. Lord, help us not to eat too much ice cream to where we wouldn't have fun in the activities because of stomach aches. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to keep us healthy and moving forward in an awesome week, maybe even the best week of camp that we've ever had here at River Valley Ranch. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me hang out with you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.